0: Girls, it's episode f- 499.5. Okay, that's how math works. We're just mathing, we're trucking <laughs> over to 500. Now, I can't guarantee <laughs> that 500 will be the next one because I'm attempting to do it something new for. <laughs> AG, and it's taken, it's taken a, a little bit of time to cook. Um, So in the meantime, we got 499.5 today. Who's to say the next AG won't be, you know, four and three quarters? I mean, 499 and three quarters, but maybe also four. I mean, I don't even know. Hashtag new beginnings. Um, I just felt the need to record after watching Salt Lake City the reunion part two. Although I note that saying that if you felt like part two was missing a little something, I think it's still a solid episode. I watched it one and three quarter times, which feels like consistent math for this app. But um I have to say that I think as a completionist, you really truly, if you want to watch it, and absolutely you do, am I right? You need to watch the Watch What Happens with Mercedes and Jeff Lewis immediately following because it is the perfect compliment. Shout out Chumps. Like it just Je- Jeff dragging <laughs> This set of Salt Lake so heavily against Andy. I watched that. I immediately put it on my Instagram because I was like, this deserves to live on grid. It was so funny. Also, Jeff dropping into conversation, which he absolutely, going by Andrew's um, furious looking eyes, was not supposed to say publicly that he is going to be recording a lunch for Real Housewives of Orange County. And if you know Jeff, you know he's good friends with... Shannon, he is also friends with Tamra. So and Vicky. Um, so who knows? I'm sure it would be a lunch with Shannon, but that is going to be the funniest fucking lunch. And Andy was like, "Hey, how about you not talk about that publicly? Thanks so much. <laughs> you keep that private." It was a great moment. Honestly, it was an interesting night of housewifery. I did catch up on Potomac. I hadn't seen the newest episode. And I do want to acknowledge it before getting into Salt Lake because it was profoundly moving. And listen, there's some shit we can talk about, I'm sure, on the next AG about Robin and Juan stuff and some other stuff. But to me, the last several minutes of the episode, I don't actually remember how long that luncheon was when it comes to episode length, but it was profoundly moving, genuinely. Like, that's the only phrase I can think of when I think of that scene. I mean, I was very emotional watching it and just watching Karen use her Housewives platform to support this organization, Pave, who has been on... Has been represented on Housewives before with a um, previous event that Karen held, and just Karen talking about her experience as a survivor of sexual violence, and to hear other members of the cast in their confessionals mention their experiences, their experiences, their concerns for their children, um, what it means. You know, as Giselle said, to be the mom of three daughters with one, you know. Shortly off to college to hear Ashley talking about what she has survived, Candace talking and sharing, Uh, Robin. And I felt like the through line for a lot of the women in sharing their stories and just sharing their perspective and hearing stories was this thing of, you know, I didn't know what this was. I didn't know how to define it. I didn't know the name that I could place for this thing to happen to me because so many people experience sexual trauma as children, as teenagers, as young adults. And to not and to have an awareness as an adult of what you experienced as a child to be able to define it in that way, I genuinely think is a powerful form of healing to just say, like, this thing happened to me and I am aware of what it is now and I'm aware of the fact that I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, there's a there's an incredible baggage and additional trauma that's often put upon survivors of sexual-based violence, sexual assault, rape, with the idea that, you know, this wouldn't have happened if I had done something differently. And the reality is that's not the responsibility of the victim or survivor to bear. And yet it's one that's often placed on people, certainly placed on women. I mean, the timing of this was wild because for some reason I woke up today and I decided to like rewatch some of Promising Young Woman, Um, Emerald Fennell, whose name I probably just fucked up, won an Oscar for the, I think it was original, it had to have been original screenplay, I I assume, but it might've been adapted, I forget. For the movie, that was, um, you know, I, 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 I do recommend it with the acknowledgement that it is very intense and certainly very triggering. But to think about the ways that women, I mean, all people, many people in society are just kind of taught to criticize the victim or survivor, especially if it is a woman in how a person can protect themselves from sexual violence versus saying how about we not violate people you know the the information that's often shared and it's a sad reality of like how can we protect ourselves from this if you are a survivor or a victim of sexual violence there has been this profound misunderstanding in this in this genuinely, I think, additional trauma of placing on that person, well, you shouldn't have done this thing, you shouldn't have dressed this way, you shouldn't have had this much to drink, you shouldn't have been in a surrounding with person XYZ, when it is truly not that person's fault. And it's an extra onus of responsibility that is so upsetting to acknowledge in the ways that it's continued continually used. And I think to hopefully take some of that weight off of survivors and also talk about ways that we can protect ourselves. And one of those big forms of protection is information in defining this thing that happened to me, regardless of how many years ago that occurred. I think that's incredibly, incredibly powerful. And I'm thankful to Karen. And listen, this season of Potomac, we don't need to keep talking about how it's not great, like, and, you know, agree to disagree. Regardless of that, this is a profound moment that happened on this episode. And I'm so thankful to Karen Huger, who's having a fantastic season of Housewifery. It has to be said, but, you know, to see Mia, I can't even talk about I'm gonna cry. But to see Mia talk to her husband before the luncheon and talk about the fact that she didn't she didn't really want to attend because it was so triggering to her and to see her there to support her friend and then excuse herself and the ways that the other women kind of reacted to her absence, I think for some of the members of the cast, because they weren't like literally right next to her. So Candace saying to her in a way that is totally understandable, like, hey, where'd you go? Like what happened? And you could see in Candace's eyes the understanding of okay, got it. This person left because they are connecting to this in some way. It was just like the I felt like there was such a shared humanity at that table that I felt like was incredibly, I'm going to say profound for the 15,000th time. I just think it's so profound. And the confessionals of these, oh, I can't do it, you guys. I can't cry. I want to talk about Monica. (laughs) I just want to say that it was just genuinely profound and I I really will never get over those confessionals and it was edited so beautifully and so powerfully and there was just something so connective about you know just these women talking about this thing that happened to them or their fears of something happening or their fears of something happening to a loved one and and it's just an incredibly moving and meaningful and would highly encourage that if you've tapped out of Potomac this season, or if you're not watching Potomac ever, I mean, first off, how dare you? Um, go back, watch this episode. It's, I, I thought it was very meaningful. Can we please shift gears? I just needed to say that. I just Let's start with some cheers and then go for the sass. Okay, we need a fucking talk. Okay, here's, here's the... Here's the tea. So I'm not on Twitter, even though I think my identity, we can't get into that. That's a conversation for another day. But my identity was maybe purloined slightly. (laughs) I had an old Twitter account that I didn't use. So we will get to that on another. It's a defunct account. There's like nothing there. But I accidentally confirmed that an absolute fraud address was the address I thought it was like some sort of like Inception-esque fraud from Elon and his crew that they were trying to get me to like share my real address. So instead of saying, no, this obviously fraudulent address is not my address, I did unfortunately in that moment say it was my address. And then I realized within seconds, ma'am, you're just, you're, you're engaging <laughs> it's probably not great. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say (laughs) Jen Shaw, thank God she's away for a couple more months or whatever. I mean, she's got a couple years ahead, but um, plus good behavior. And what does good behavior mean for Jen Shaw? That's the question of the hour. Um, You know, thank goodness she's not away. Thank goodness she is away because Lord only knows what what the Shaw squad (laughs) could do with content creators, Twitter accounts. But I did go on Twitter tonight to see what LD Millionaire said about the episode. Because LD Millionaire, meaning um, Monica's mom, it's the only way I think of her is her Twitter handle LD Millionaire. It's LD underscore millionaire, by the way. And there's this like, sepia-toned photo of her with a hat and sunglasses. You truly can't see who she is. And then her cover photo is a chandelier. I mean, it's truly everything that you would want and more. But I did want to see her response to tonight's episode because so much of it was focused on her and focused on her relationship with Monica. And oh boy, (laughs) were there some bombs dropped that I was honestly surprised. Surprised feels like a not enough of a word, shocked by. And I say this noting that, you know, often with like three part reunions, at least for me, I always think that like the first part's gonna have like well, no, I can't even say this out loud because the math, the math doesn't always math in this way. But I think the setup at least for this um round of Salt Lake, which seems pretty apparent at this point. I mean, we're two thirds of the way there. First episode, really, really strong. Second episode, building to the third episode. And the third episode is where everything is going to go down. Like we're talking about the eye, which can we please never discuss it ever again after next week? I don't want to ever talk about this fucking eye after next week, but we're going to get into it with the eye, with whatever Heather's explanation is. And I'm sure that will be discussed by members of the cast on stage and certainly by us. And to me, you know, very importantly for the purposes of ongoing current plot, all things reality Von Teese. So I wanted to know what Monica's mama would say about tonight's episode, because I assume she's not going to come up in conversation after this. Like we talked about her on part one. We definitely talked about her on part two. I doubt she's going to come up, except probably in like some sort of tertiary manner. I don't think... She's going to be a hot topic unless she's maybe one of the six. It's going to be Monica, Monica's mom, Heather's hairstylist, and I guess we've got three other spots to fill. Anyway, so Monica's mom, surprise her. <laughs> spoiler alert, big surprise, did in fact post tonight. She said, everything Monica says about me is a lie or half-truth. I never applied or auditioned, not season four or any other. I'm an award-winning journalist and TV producer that was the TV job in New York City, news journalist, producer. I already had the job. Reality TV is not my cup of tea. And then she obviously hashtagged RHSLC. And then she did include a screenshot of a conversation, I guess, between her and her mom dated from February of 2023. It sounds like it appears the conversation is her. Uh, you know, LD, having LD millionaire, excuse me, apologies for not using her formal title. LD, Dame LD millionaire, um, not wanting to agree to the contract that I assume was presented or shared by production, saying in this text exchange, this is LD. I don't agree to in perpetuity. I know they don't need me. And then Monica, who's saved in, I guess, her phone as a affluence, Monica? Does that mean is that supposed to mean something? Am I not getting it? So Monica says, um, yes, I do. I need you. And then Dame LD Millionaire says, and I want to be there for you 100%, but I ain't selling my soul. Prayer hands, laugh emoji, crying. And then A Affluence Monica says, we talked about this. Multiple exclamation points to follow. We are showcasing our people. We are showing our Portuguese family. And that is the only screenshot shared. So I guess the point here is that LD Mon Ld millionaire Ld Monica millionaire um wants to show us that she reads contracts and muzzles up to her for that for that and it's really her saying i know they don't need me but obviously she did participate in this show so i'm not exactly sure What it's showing. And she's taking some of what Monica said and being, I think, slightly artistic in how she's responding to it. She's being a little creative. She's doing a little creative arts Emmys, which has already been presented this year, although maybe she's a contender for next. Says she's an award-winning journalist. Maybe she knows something about the Emmys that we do not. But so one of the big sort of backtracking here, the response that she shared was because a big part of certainly the beginning point of the episode was Monica talking about how her mom wanted to be more involved in the filming of the season. She says that her mom, in fact, contacted production and said that she wanted to be on the cast trip. With the rest of the crew, I assume that LD Millionaire's argument, per Monica's version of this, was that because ostensibly the trip was going for Monica's birthday and also for her to see family that she hasn't seen in a number of years, that that was maybe the in that um, Dame LD thought she might possibly have with production or have with her role on the show. Um I would think it would be incredibly odd had her mom been present on that trip, but this is taking a lot for granted, including it being Monica's perspective. I assume that when it comes to the kind of facts and figures of how Monica wants to talk about her decision to film with her mom and maybe the conversation with production about what her role would be in filming and how they looked at like Monica's position in the show and what her story would be, what they were interested in focusing on during filming, what that would be. I assume that there's like, you know, it's the whole thing of like, it's, I have my truth, you have your truth. And then there's a like the goddamn truth. So I think Monica has a version that's certainly based in truth. I think Linda is circling something that she's attempting to share. And then there's the reality of what occurred. And so often, our perception of a situation can influence the way that we're like, no, this is an absolute fact of what happened. I do think it does seem to me Fairly realistic, based on what we've seen, that Linda would potentially engage with production in a conversation about her wanting to be on the trip. Monica thinks that because production, I guess, was like, lol sorry this isn't parents weekend that as a result of that the family that monica was intending to film with and see again decided not to film like monica as she said on the on the actual episode itself like my mom got involved and told them not to film now ld disputes that we don't actually know what happened do we know who the family is that she was going to see i mean like Because so much of this is coming out of Monica's narrative, it's sort of hard to figure out how a person kind of feels and pays respect to genuine trauma that she's experienced. But when it's clouded under the narrative of trying to defend herself against what's going to be a pretty tough part three for her, that gets into really tricky territory because some of what she says is like so... So she's, she'll say things so definitively that she knows and we now know our lies, not relating to her family, but like relating to the voice note that was shared about Mary later on in the episode when she's like, no, I didn't do that. No, it wasn't about Mary. Oh, no, I was just quoting what Jen Shaw told me about her, that it it's so easy. It seems very seamless for Monica to to lie and do so very successfully. I think she's incredibly convincing. So when it comes to some of this stuff, it's like I want to be just as a human person in the world. I want to feel like I'm being sensitive to this person who I absolutely am sure has experienced trauma and is in a extremely toxic relationship with her mom. And I also want to say that I don't know How many layers of this there are, and we're probably not going to get to them, especially because I don't know that Monica will be back on the show. And I don't know how necessary it is for there to be additional layers and nuance shared if it only exists to contradict what she's saying at the reunion. Because to a certain extent, like, take her at her word, you know, like she's. Something is happening and has happened with her relationship with her mom that seems incredibly, incredibly fucked up. Then her mom's taking a Twitter and saying, oh, Monica's oldest daughter is actually essentially the parent. She's the person who's really taking care of her siblings. That is a terrible thing to say, not only about your daughter, who you're essentially calling, for lack of a better term, an absentee parent, but to involve your grandchild in this who is still a minor is, to me... Really gross. And I think the air of gross is something that is in their family readily and heavily present in some of these dynamics, certainly between Monica and her mom. So to just kind of watch it play out where it's like LD is playing ping pong seemingly against herself on Twitter. Monica's doing a version of trying to share her experience with her mom and how that impacted frustration with the rest of the cast. When they were immediately defending her mom because her mom seemed nice, her mom seemed friendly, her mom seemed mature, dealing with those dynamics, and then also having an understanding that Monica – sometimes Monica's narrative around things can be uh, understood as complicated – And the stuff with Monica and her kids, I just, the way that people are referencing, not even on the show, but on social, her parenting and her kid, it just, it gets into such an ugly, unfortunate area that I don't know what good that is serving. And I just think, oh my God, these poor kids. It's like a, it's like a, Terrible contentious divorce, and considering the fact that it seems like Monica and her ex had a heavily contentious divorce, to see that also happen between Monica and her mom over reality TV, and to have this be so unfortunately public and so messy and dark, it just honestly at the end of the day feels enormously dark. So, essentially, um. So, Monica's mom wanted to go on the gas trip. They were like, LOL. And so, for whatever reason, who knows if it was because her mom, her (laughs) momica, because her momica got involved, or for some other reason, Monica's family wasn't able to be filmed. Um, She essentially, Monica felt like um, her mom was essentially auditioning to be a housewife herself. And she said that after, you know, Monica had her final interview, she, cried or cried on the couch or something to her mom. She was really upset. She felt like she fucked up the job. It wasn't going to happen. She really wanted this thing. And she just felt like she wasn't herself. And she said that LD said, you know, like, let's pray. And LD Millionaire prayed. And apparently, per Monica, prayed um, and said, you know, dear Lord, I hope I get to be a housewife instead of Monica. Lord, if it's not Monica, let it be me. Now, either that happened or it didn't, I err on the side of, fuck, (laughs) I think it happened. We weigh this against other accusations that Monica says about members of her cast that it's like immediately people are disputing where there's a there's an element of truth there, but she's kind of extracting as much drama from it as she possibly can. I do think the L. D. Millionaire stuff is different because I just can see it. I just when she's when Monica's saying these things, there's just something about it where I can just immediately see it and I just feel so uncomfortable because it's just so terribly toxic. And there's something to be said for having toxic relationships play out on reality TV. Like Lord knows how many housewives are cast because of their quote unquote happy marriage, but because production can see over the course of interviews and like audition filming and whatever else, you know, this person is, has a relationship that would be interesting for us to discuss at length because it seems absurd. With Monica and her mom, it's like so obviously evident that they have this toxic negative cycle, I wonder what conversation they had with each other. I mean, yes, there are upteenth videos and things that have been leaked seemingly by Tanisha to exact revenge for Monica saying she was one of the six finalists at like Miss America and who's going to get the crown and it's not the one that she wore on her birthday when they were filming on that trip. It's to say that there's so much toxicity and the idea of in one of those like tapes from mom saying something along the lines of like, you're an actress, you know how to perform. <sighs> I mean, all great performances include a kernel of truth. And I think there's more than a kernel here when it comes to just heavily complicated, messy, unfortunate dynamics. And God help us. If you go into LDs, um, Twitter account and just scroll through, which is what I was doing when I was watching the part de a second time, is just to see the ways that she just goes back and forth. Like she says, you know, Monica and I are great. We're going to thrive as a result of this. And hashtag justice for Monica. And then you go to more recent, and that's from days ago. There's stuff from like January 11th. And then today is the 16th. And she has stuff about narcissism, and this person is lying, and her kid, her oldest daughter is raising the other kids. And it's just, it's so if this is the stuff that they're sharing publicly, when there aren't cameras around them, what is happening when they're behind closed doors now Monica said that she hasn't spoken to her mom since I guess the tail end of filming I don't know when that like leaked video I don't know when that was included oh no it had to have been I think the day of or day following the Easter party because I think that was is what it was in reference to um so it certainly wasn't as recent as like the very end of production, um, which I guess is when they last spoke. It's just incredibly unfortunate. Also I do want to know what awards LD Millionaire has allegedly. She's an award-winning journalist like can someone go on her LinkedIn? Can someone search LD millionaire on LinkedIn because I assume that is her formal title as we have all decreed um during this episode I would be curious for more. Um so listen it gets into some follow-up questions from Andy of like Andy and the rest of the cast honestly I think Heather was the one that said you know if you um if she said these things to you including like <laughs> if I, if, mon- if my kid doesn't get the job I would like it please why film with her after that and Andy, I think Monica responded to, I remember Andy's response as well, which was essentially like she's desensitized to this. And that is something that i think a lot of people can connect with the idea of like i know that this is toxic but i'm in this cycle and also maybe in monica's head participating in this in terms of like continuing to have a relationship with her mom in whatever way would exist and film that might be to monica's in monica's head a way out of it like let let this be maybe the stepping stone i'm going to share some really Dark, maybe upsetting um pieces of our relationship, and maybe i'll be a hit on housewives, and maybe me being that vulnerable will lead to me being asked back, and maybe if she's asked back, she won't depend on her mom in the same way that she might have for you know showing her life season one, I think especially because she wasn't really filming with a lot of members of the cast. I think someone sent this to me as a satchel. Um, And I will be doing a Satchel Spectacular this week on Patreon. But There was some satchel along the lines of, like, when it comes to the timing of how some of the scenes with Monica and her mom was filmed, was that because at a certain point the rest of the cast wasn't filming with Monica? And that's sort of who she had to film with. I mean, it's an incredibly valid question. I don't have an answer to it. I certainly don't follow the dates of, like, when production is filming and when this shit is going how you know long this stuff is is continuing to be filmed after points like x y and z but certainly for some period of time after the trip she obviously has found herself on an island and that i'm sure she knew going in was going to be incredibly tough that's why she's immediately on the offense in every possible way laughing at people when they're sharing their stories interjecting as much to be like, essentially, go fuck yourself. Having back and forth, like the back and forth with Angie was a lot. Although once again, Andy looking at Angie K when she's like, she can talk and then I can talk because we're a couple of adults, or at least I'm an adult and I know how to talk to a kid. And he looked at her and was like, thank you so much. Like he really, I think Andy has found himself on a train that some of us are surprised to be on as well, which is the Angie K I stand I mean, it's just, the ways that she was saying, was discussing things on this episode, I appreciated. Also, the fact that she said that calling Meredith a trampoline with eyes was a compliment because her skin was smooth or something. I just make that make sense. I don't even understand the trampoline with eyes comment from the jump. Like, I don't, I don't, I've never heard someone ever compared to a trampoline before. Um, I mean, I remember in my youth in East Greenwich, seemingly everybody had a trampoline or a pool. Trampolines were like a very big thing. I don't know why, now that I think about that, why did so many people have a trampoline? But I guess a trampoline with eyes was the, you know, beautiful lyrics that <laughs> Angie Kay wrote in order to describe Meredith. Her continuing to say that that is somehow a compliment is so why? In no way would be would a person take your trampoline with eyes as a compliment? I mean, you could say your eyes are beautiful. No, I can't even do it. Like your eyes make me jump in the air like a trampoline because they're so beautiful. No, that doesn't make sense. Like it just, it does, it does not work. But sometimes neither does Angie K, and that's why we love her. So There was obviously an awful lot focused on the relationship between Monica and her mom. She said at one point that um, LD banned Monica's then, you know, future husband, now ex-husband from the house uh, when they first started dating because she saw how in love they were or how in love Monica appeared and apparently allegedly told the now ex that she didn't want someone to take her daughter from her. That leading into a, a conversation about Whitney working on repairing the relationship with her mom and having honest conversations about her childhood and the impact of that and taking space from her dad. And, um, you know, Whitney realizing the level of toxicity that was present in her relationship with her father as a result of watching that play out on Housewives. I mean, fuck, man, those edits. Can really, open, not to say that it was edited in a way to appear like something it's not, but to say when you are filming, I assume, and filming for God knows how many hours a week for these like tightly edited episodes, that I do believe that at a certain point, you sort of, especially if it's like family scenes and not a huge cat fight at a restaurant or something, you might not realize, certainly, I think we all have this, I think, with someone in our lives, like the, the kind of relationship that you have with this person unless you have the, honestly, kind of the gift of having a mirror on that relationship when it's shown on TV. I mean, there's so much pressure that can come from that. And I'm sure a lot of um, additional upset. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is... Looking for Dorenda on the Upper East Side? AstroPro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to AstroProAllergy.com for a discount so you can AstroPro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. AstroPro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Paris is always a good idea, and when I schlep on over to Europe, to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luanne? And while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life... That's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. There's a speech recognition filter, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's Lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Today. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom or a maternal figure in your life? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you want to ask. Then she can either type up her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I wanna know about the stories of how my mom and dad grew up. What's the first thing they remember after they were born? That's one of the questions I sent to my dad after signing up for my life in a book. And I can't think of a greater gift to give my dad in sharing his stories and to receive. It's super easy to use. My favorite part of it, as someone who sometimes lives on turtle time and forgets (laughs) about sending or receiving email, is that they reach out a couple days prior to sending questions. Just so I know of what questions they're going to send to my dad, if I want to change it for another question or customize it with something that I want to know. It's that kind of specificity and care that I love so much. This is genuinely an incredible, incredible gift. There's no greater present than I could give a family member, or a loved one than to participate in this kind of meaningful appreciation for the entirety of their lives, separate from my own. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code girls at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom or loved one this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com with code girls for 10% off today. And thank the Jill's Aaron and your life and mine. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. oua icom and enter promo code ANDY for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com with promo code ANDY. That's happymammoth.com and use the code Girls for 15% off today. I'm engaging. But also the opportunity to like sit down on a Tuesday night and maybe see dynamics that you ignored or were in denial about or genuinely weren't aware of. I've had that happen. I remember I was at a thing with somebody i not going to get into. Because of those repairing relationships line. But I remember in college going to a thing with a friend. (laughs) It's because I have people in my life that listen to the podcast. So I have to be um, as... uh, (laughs) specific as possible, going to a thing with a friend. And I was like telling a story, you know, cackles, gage, just share and being a little sassafras. And my friend after said, Oh, you know what, when you were telling that story, so and so said, XYZ, I had no idea that something happened that honestly opened the floodgates of like, oh, I thought this. I had a very different relationship with this person than the relationship that I had. And it would not have occurred to me because that wasn't my experience and I hadn't seen that moment happen until the friend kind of like clued me in to the fact that, hey, there's a dynamic here you don't seem aware of, but that other person... (laughs) is certainly carrying maybe, not even like, maybe that's something to discuss. It's just like, just so you know, I would assume that having, you know, a college pal, (laughs) you know, that a relationship might be slightly toxic is probably not at the same level of having at least several hundreds of thousands of people watch and react to any kind of assortment or or layers of toxicity when it comes to some of these behind closed doors dynamics, um, except to say that it can, I would think, come as a little bit of a confirmation and relief for Whitney to have that moment, I'm not taking away from the angst that she went through with her dad, um, certainly when they uh, began the show together and were filming, but, you know, because Lord knows there can be a lot of upset, especially from people who aren't full-time on the show, don't have an additional platform in which to defend themselves, their behaviors, their loved ones' reactions. You really don't get that. You're not getting a confessional. You're, you have your Twitter at the end of the day um, or not. And so for Whitney to have, I think, the benefit of seeing in front of her a relationship that maybe she knew was toxic in some way, but seeing it at the level, sort of like a clear-eyed idea of that, a clear-eyed examination of it can be, I think, a profound experience. That's why how many bajillions of marriages have broken up from housewives? It's not just because of The pressure of reality TV, although certainly that can have an impact, I think it's also because you can't hide around this thing anymore. Oh, we're so happy, whatever. You know, being happy at a cocktail party and like maybe smiling a half a dozen times versus filming together for hundreds and hundreds of hours over the course of a season is going to reveal things, especially when you start to forget that the cameras are there. And People talk about that, about letting their guard down. And also you develop a relationship, I assume, with production and a trust, um, a trust that maybe your reactions to things are going to be shared in a way that is maybe not flattering, but hopefully honest. Um, I, I really honestly appreciated those Conversations, and I appreciated Whitney sharing her experience with that. I also think Whitney—I mean, listen—people call her a fucking idiot, but like, I—I just—I never really buy into that. Truly, I think some of it is just people attempting to say something honestly about like the tenor of her voice as well. And sure, has she said stuff that I super disagree with or don't understand? Certainly, but there are also moments where I think she really delivers, and one of them was when she was attempting to hold heather accountable for her behavior which we saw s- glimpses of in some unseen footage um but when she's talking about the conversation comes up about jack's mission and talking about you know heather's um upset because she wants you know the truth to be shared about what a mission is and like is it hypocritical for you to support and compartmentalize the purposes and like actual understanding and details of what um, a mission includes versus compartmentalizing it and saying, okay, I don't agree with this. I have triggers from this, but also, you know, Lisa's a friend and I want to support her in the choices that her family is making. And also, you know, say, listen, if you have any questions or ever want to talk about a different perspective on this, I'm a resource. So Heather is presenting this, the tension between herself and Whitney as a result of Whitney attending Jack's like mission luncheon and um, seemingly supporting uh, Lisa in that and Lisa's family. And, you know, Whitney's conversation about that during the reunion I thought was interesting because it it seemed to me that heather was positioning this as a like listen my focus is really only on the mission itself but now I understand how to compartmentalize and after Whitney was sort of trying to drag out of her a uh, do you apologize or do you understand that when you're calling me a hypocrite it's unfair and heather was sort of circling around it but got to that point but the thing that I thought was interesting was that Whitney was trying to certainly talk about why she was dragged through the mud by Heather because of the Jack mission stuff. But also the thing that Heather didn't acknowledge during the reunion was what she was saying in this unseen footage of like, Lisa is a hypocrite. It's not just this conversation about Jack's mission. It's Lisa attesting to her Mormon identity and her ability to do things as a Mormon that are completely the opposite of Heather's experience, which was very, very conservative, and of Whitney's experience and both of their understandings of like wearing the, I'm sorry, I forget the, um, technical phrase, but like wearing the undergarments and are you allowed to go to the Mormon temple if you drink alcohol? And like the ideas of different kinds of lifestyles being accepted so fully is something that Heather, it seemed uh, that it seemed like I'm doing a great job with words today, guys. Thanks so much (laughs) and answer your understanding. It seemed at the end of the day that um, Heather wanted to see a more forceful rebuke of Lisa's definition of her Mormon life, and Whitney was referencing that in a way that um, Heather wasn't acknowledging, which I understood. I understood why Heather would make that decision. I understood why Whitney felt upset about that and felt like she was the one in the crossfire unnecessarily. And I think that they got to like a pretty good point. I think that there is residual tension between Heather and Whitney, and I don't think it's probably going away anytime soon. I think actually, in many ways, the like unity that the cast seems to have in being against Monica is, to me, slightly temporary. Although one could argue that it sort of depends on what happens next season. Is Monica going to be back? I think that's kind of like a 90-10 situation, 90%. I don't think she will, but there is certainly 10 Um, So anything is possible. But also if there is somebody else that's put into that role who does not get along with the cast in some way, maybe there will continue to be some semblance of unity. But do, you know, Lisa and Meredith still have shit they need to discuss? 100%. Does. Whitney have some shit with Heather that hasn't exactly been figured out? Yes. Can you say the exact same thing about Heather with Whitney? A hundred percent. Heather and Lisa seem to be getting along in a way like I actually really appreciated them kind of supporting each other in being next to each other on the couch um, and, you know, Heather attempting to kind of rein in Lisa at points and being like, it's not worth it. Versus other points where Lisa obviously had a full rundown of exactly which voice notes (laughs) there was packing for the reunion, and was essentially like play, play the recording over and over again. I mean, they knew what traps they wanted to set for Monica, and unfortunately, she's so instinctively focused on like just flat out lying. But honestly, she does a good job of it. So if they're saying, you know, did you call Mary a dumb bitch? She's going to say, absolutely not. Or whatever you're about to say is a lie, because it's from my old best friend. And then you're playing an audio recording that Lisa's aware of. Heather obviously is aware of because she has them with her. I assume that the rest of the cast has listened to these things, minus Mary, who is Mary. And Monica is maybe aware of what she said however long ago and maybe not. But Monica seems to me to come from when it comes to like the reality of it all and like the shit she said about other cast members, she does to me come from a place of like lying first. Like if you accuse me of something, my instinct is to lie and to say that you're misrepresenting and maybe... You can draw some truth out of that because you're only sharing my voice voice notes to this person. You're not sharing their re- um, reaction to me. For all we know, um, Tanisha is saying in every voice note response, like "fuck yeah, you're totally right," blah blah blah. And also, here's some other shit I'm going to say about this person. But Tanisha's not on the show. She's not a friend of. She's not on the show you can see her maybe in the background of some of these scenes. Obviously, she was important for the finale episode and Heather gathering her information, but she's not in the hot seat. She doesn't need to be. That's that's Monica. I mean, Mary coming down and Having her conversation, which hopefully we get into on with my guest on the next AG, I mean, the one thing I want to say – listen, there's a lot to say about Mary, okay? And she makes me a little bit uncomfortable because she doesn't understand when a person is, like, saying something complimentary to her because she's so defensive or is just truly – is not an active listener in that way or her version of listening is like to only her truth about what that person is saying versus the reality of what they're saying that to me is can be stressful to watch because it's not an actual conversation taking place it's it's Mary receiving information that probably wasn't said out loud. There was like the exact opposite taking place in real time and then shutting it down based on her perception of what was said versus what was actually said. Like Angie is quite literally playing her a compliment and Mary's like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's just, it's, it's tough to watch at points. But one point that she made that I was like, fuck yes, Mary is the fact that, you know, first off, she's saying she doesn't know that her son is it, whether or not her son is married. I mean, don't we know her son is married? Didn't somebody like dig up a marriage thing, a marriage certificate of the son and the wife that they done did the deed? Um, So her continuing to say like, I don't really know. I mean, wouldn't you ask him follow-up questions if your son, your... Then 20 year old son, I think now he's 21. I don't remember how old he was when they may or may not have gotten married 19 or 20. Wouldn't you have some follow ups to be like, Yeah, I don't really know if he's married. I mean, how much of this is I don't want to know versus like, I don't know, he doesn't remember. (laughs) Like, I think he does. I think if you said, Do you have a certificate? Can I see it? Or I'm going to go to, you know, city hall and see if something was filed. I think that could be figured out over the course of a 10-second moment or maybe an afternoon stroll. All of that being said, to say that she does not want her son's wife to lie about the form of pleasure that the wife is receiving because, you know, in this like unseen footage that is shown between Mary and her um, a glam person in Mary's version of a closet, which we're just going to call a closet in Mary's dressing room is, is probably a better term in her house, that, you know, she heard some things, some romantic noises from her son and his wife or girlfriend or whatever, which is just so deeply awkward for so many reasons. But to be like, you know, the lesson here is don't Don't fake an orgasm. You don't need you don't need him to feel like he's better at this than he actually is. Was to me like a baller comment. I thought, fuck yes, Mary, that is exactly the right thing you should say. You are totally right. And she's like, this is bullshit. Like this, I'm hearing like a fucking musical theater. I'm hearing like Sondheim happen. Like there's some like not Sweeney Todd, but maybe Company. I don't know. Into the Woods, probably Into the Woods or something else. (laughs) happening. And it doesn't need to be this full theatrical event for something that's probably at best a monologue. You know, I really genuinely appreciated her in that moment. But it did then connect to the tail end of this. Mary is seemingly very focused on supporting Monica and having a sense of things that like the rest of the cast isn't listening to her like lol understatement of the year. um, But true, also a truth. And it gets into this setup between Lisa and Heather versus Monica using Mary of like, well, Monica, did you ever call Mary a dumb bitch? Monica saying some version of no or like no asterisk and them playing a voice note. But Monica being smart is interjecting with like a, no, this didn't happen. No, it was about Mary. While you hear Monica's voice on the voice note saying quite literally Mary's name, (laughs) Like, but she's doing it such a level that Mary can't understand what the voice note's saying. So she's kind of in a place of like, does this matter? I don't know. I don't even understand what's happening because Monica's yelling about it the entire time. So the recording, took a little screenshot of the transcript um, sh- transcription shown. So the recording is certainly Monica's voice. Monica literally went from. I this never happened. I didn't say it. It wasn't about Mary. Oh, it was about Mary. But I was just quoting Jen Shaw talking about Mary. So this is the voice note that um, that Monica sent to Tanisha and who knows who else. And it was some sort of text, right, I assume. Exactly why I called her a snake. Like, you dumb bitch. Like, low key. I want to DM Mary from a burner account. Sidebar. DMing from a burner account is maybe something that's going to come off on part three and continuing the recording, she probably wouldn't ever see it and just be like, bitch, I, and just be like, and then she cuts herself off and says, bitch, I could do it from reality Von Tease, okay? But anyway, because we know she'd be watching that shit and she would open her messages. So we learned a couple things from this. First off, Lord only knows how many voice notes Heather has with her to share. I assume that next week's episode is just going to be like voice note, voice note, voice note, you know, noun, verb, voice note dragging uh, Monica to hell. But so it's, so this voice note is sharing, obviously she called, um, she called, uh, Mary a snake, called her a dumb bitch, said that she wanted to DM Mary from a burner account, which is weird. Cause why wouldn't you just do it from the account, which is what she corrects in the next part of the voice note and saying, oh, wait, I could do it from the main primary account of Reality Von Tees, And that, you know, regardless, she would be um, opening her messages, maybe if it's from that account, which at this point has 5000 followers, it now has over 40. But I don't know that Mary is checking her messages. I don't know what Mary's social media um, strategy has been. Um but for her to say so passionately that this thing never happened and then it happened, but it wasn't about Mary, while the name Mary is being heard with, from Monica's voice out loud and then saying, no, no, this is a quote. I'm just quoting Jen Shaw. I got to tell you, that's theater. You know what I'm saying? That is theater. I mean, truly, this is a little Into the Woods. To grandmother's house, we go. Okay. This is like, I, this is wonderful theater taking place. I truly have no idea what they're going to do next season. I could not tell you what they are going to do, but I kind of don't want to think about it right now because I just, oh God, we only have one season, one episode left. It's just, it, it's a little bit of a heartbreaker when I think about it because this is just so fascinating. And I, I am so curious, not only to rewatch this episode tomorrow, which will be the second and three quarter time, because I didn't f- totally finish the second viewing before I started recording this episode. Um, but I really do want to watch the uncensored and extended ep on um, Peacock tomorrow. And then my God, because it, it's super worth it because they do the extra footage is fascinating. Um, but fuck, man, next week is going to be extended just in the aired version. So imagine what it's going to be like uh, uncensored and extended the next day. This is a gift. What we are watching right now is a gift. It, As Jeff Lewis said, you know, I'm sort of only thinking about Salt Lake City right now. It is my everything. It is my all. I mean, many of us are nodding our heads, raising our hands. What we're watching right now is terrific television. And to me, there was something that just felt so um, grounding and fascinating when you think of the different occurrences and different kind of dramas and different realities that are happening on so many different franchises, let alone our reviews of how that franchise is doing. But to watch Salt Lake City and like watch it be just all over the place, and like I'm laughing at some points, I'm gasping at others, and then to watch Potomac and just be really not startled, but just just so emotional, like genuinely so overwhelmed watching what Karen's event and and Mia's reaction and her bravery and courage and opening up to us, and P.S. Mia opening up to us about the fact that her relationship with her good friend, her formerly good friend Jacqueline was changed as a result of the um as a result of what she experienced and what she survived because at one point she's talking about the fact that her coping mechanism is to leave um, a situation. We saw her leave Karen's table for just a, uh, however many minutes, maybe just a couple minutes, excuse herself to go to the bathroom to just say to herself, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm, I'll be all right. Her, She's obviously still mic so we can hear her trying to just kind of like ground herself, feel safe, feel okay, you know, hold it together, which any number of people can understand and empathize with, especially if you're feeling triggered, you're feeling upset. Um, You're just trying to feel stable at a certain point, just like genuinely, like stable in your feet, in your body, Um, feel safe, feel like you can get through this moment um, without completely entirely falling apart, which would be also honestly, obviously incredibly understandable. But for her to get into the idea that like her coping mechanism is to leave a situation Um, you can think about any number of housewife situations and remove herself and the upset that she felt about Mia herself being a survivor of sexual violence and feeling like she couldn't get out in that situation and saying to herself, carrying the upset of like, why didn't I get out? Why couldn't I get out? And then expressing this thing that was obviously new information to all of us, which was the idea of underlying anger that she had for her formerly very, very, very good friend Jacqueline. We saw that fall out. I remember a sense of like, man, she's coming in really fucking hard against Jacqueline and not understanding where this anger was coming from. And she's expressing in this moment of vulnerability the fact that actually she has been carrying anger, you could call it anger or resentment or hurt or pain, some combination, all or or some of or none of the above, some other um, descriptor for how it is that she felt about the fact that she had anger at Jacqueline because of what happened to her, because Jacqueline trusted her then boyfriend and left, trusted her boyfriend and left Mia with her boyfriend, who was the person who allegedly assaulted her. And to have Gone through that and then Jacqueline found out the next day was very, very upset. But there was a part of Mia that couldn't move past that point that felt like because of this terrible thing that happened to her, a feeling of like, who could have kept me safe? Why couldn't I have kept myself safe? Why couldn't my friend have kept me safe? I mean, it's just so intense. And I'm so thankful to her for being so brave to like share that emotion and for her to externalize it. Because I think there are a lot of people in different circumstances who understand the weight of shame, understand the weight of trauma, the weight of upset and anger and pain and to externalize it, to have it leave your body, quite literally leave your mouth is to me a form of healing, just to like get it out of your soul, remove it. Just to say that it exists is one of the, to me, very, very important parts of healing, which isn't to say that she hasn't healed since that point or hasn't worked on healing or hasn't figured a way for her to move forward. Um, But I just thought it was, you know, it's, I I don't know what her relationship with Jacqueline has been like, if they've discussed this at all since um, this, um, since this assault took place, if Mia has had an understanding of where that anger was rooted in and when she came to having that moment of, understanding and realization and how that could be so healing for her and her relationship with Jacqueline. I mean, this is really heady shit. We're going from like, you know, an Instagram account and like, who's calling who a cunt or whatever. (laughs) I think LD Millionaire popping off on Twitter. Of course, she's on Twitter, by the way. I'm sure that's like her safe space. But like, LD Millionaire, like losing her shit of like, my daughter sucks and here's why. And like Monica then emoting and crying and, and getting into a relationship with her mom. There's just so many varying levels here of what we're watching in incredibly different environments. Even the course of the Potomac episode, there was a lot happening. A lot happened with Juan and Robin in that pasta session. Other shit happening that I don't remember. Oh, um, Giselle taking self-defense classes with her daughter and talking about her daughter leaving to college, Grace leaving, what that's going to look like. And then you have this seemingly, to me, really huge, powerful moment. And the fact that housewives can contain such multitudes, that we can have these experiences of connection, have moments of genuine entertainment, moments of drama, moments of explosiveness, and also these like very brave, nuanced, profound, I'm saying it for the 85th time, Um, validating experiences. How many viewers at home watched what Mia discussed and felt connected to her? How many people watched other cast members' uh, confessionals and felt so connected to what they were were sharing about things that they, traumas and sexual traumas that they experienced as a child, as a young adult, as an adult in many different circumstances and felt connected and felt you know, saw themselves in what was being expressed. It's I, I will never you will never ever hear me say that Housewives is a guilty pleasure. I think there's a a level of um, responsibility that I think production has, obviously, in creating entertainment, but also in in hopefully providing a space where these women are able to Share truths like this in vulnerable moments, or at least spaces where, when vulnerable moments are shared, hopefully, hopefully these women feel protected in that, because it's not all screaming at each other. That's not life. And Housewives is its own reality in its own universe, and also contains other complicated layers. I mean, you know, it's it's it, it's fascinating. It's the thing that. We're this is 499.5. Genuinely, I think your next episode is 499 and three quarters, and then maybe (laughs) 100. But I feel like every episode of AG is different because what we're watching is totally different. Our experiences are going to be totally different. Our views are going to be totally different. And how sort of fortunate are we to be able to have this thing that can delight us and make us laugh and also make us cry and make us maybe rage out at points, but also bring with it the reality that some of what we're watching on TV, like, yeah, there's like the shits and giggles of it all, and the diamonds and the rosé and whatever else, but there's some real fucking shit that's being discussed. And whether or not outsiders to the Housewives universe understand the value of Housewives is neither here nor there. Like, that's on them to carry. Like, I think most of us get it. And you can get from Housewives whatever you want at the end of the day. At the end of the fucking day, you can get from it whatever you want. And... That's also powerful too. Um. So on that note, this was, a—I swear to God, it was going to be a 15-minute episode. I really, it really was. It was going to be a solid, a tight 15 <laughs> Who's surprised that it's not? Listen, a uh, new Patreon episode going up this week, Satchel Spectacular. Send me your satchels of gold, your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns about all things housewives and more. I feel like I haven't been able to catch my breath through the course of this. So I apologize if I'm a little extra breathy. I think there was something that like... I don't, I don't even know what in my head I've been kind of like racing through. Maybe it's the Potomac of it all. I don't know what. But um, thanks for putting up with my voice <laughs> during this episode, let alone my opinions. So send me your satchels of gold, your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns about all things housewives and more. You can DM them to me on Instagram at Dean Galley. Slide into my Patreon DMs at patreon.com slash girls or send me a thesis spectacular at show at gmail.com. While you're on my Instagram and threads, give me a follow at Dame Galley. And again, that Patreon episode will go up this week at patreon.com slash Scrolls. In the meantime, 499.51 for the books. So curious for your thoughts and feels about Salt Lake, about Potomac. Um, I need to catch up on Miami, which I will before AG 499.5 to be followed by 499.65 and then 0.73 and then 0.84 and then on and on we go. Um, so let me know your thoughts and feels. i excited to read them. Um, unlike Monica's uh, preference, voice notes, no bueno. So please um, send me your long form thoughts. And you know, I love a deep dive, include your first name in town. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode. And I will chat with you soon. Bye-bye.